there, I'm Anne-Marie McQueen, editor of Live Healthy, and this is the Live Healthy podcast. Each week we interview health and wellness leaders and talk about all the things that are good for you, which you can also read about in our online magazine, the only one of its kind for men and women in the UAE. And now, here's this week's guest. Okay, so I did want to talk to you because you wrote an article for our website. It did really well. And it got me thinking about changing careers and how, you know, there's this whole trajectory leading up to when you might decide to change a career, but it more seems like it's something that other people do because you kind of hear about it after they did it, right? Like, and it seems like a fait accompli and it seems like impossible for the average person to pull off. That's what it's always like to me. Um, So I'm just wondering if, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, I after that article went out, even some of my friends commented on it, and I wasn't, you know, aware they were even thinking about career moves or career changes. But I think we focus so much and on on our day to day life, and we're kind of on the hamster wheel sometimes with our jobs, and we don't have the time to stop and think about it. And not that, not saying that everyone's unhappy, but I think there are if people took the time that they could realize there perhaps are other careers that could be a better fit um but also I think we have to respect individual differences as well people deal with different jobs differently some people would deal with risk taking differently ultimately you know leaving a job and transitioning to another job is a risk and you know with the right efforts and and focus and, and time and planning it can have a really significant payoff and I mean, as a business psychologist, from my point of view, it's very much about someone's well-being. And we, you know, we spend so many hours at work during the week. You know, do you just want to see it as that hamster wheel, that analogy again? And is it just a job? Or I suppose, I'm not sure if you've heard of the terms job, career and calling. Um, Some people simply see a job as quite a transactional process and it's a way to fund their their living and their lifestyle of supporting their families others see things as a career um and and a career path and a career route and ultimately the definition of the term career is a sequence of events I guess and and jobs I suppose that unfold over a lifetime a sequence so it would then make sense that this sequence unfolds along this path that can be windy and up and down um and then when we talk about calling that normally links to our passions but I think as well, people have different opinions of this because do does everyone have a job that they love? Um, you know, do we go to work and love everything we do? Does it naturally match with our passions? No. And a lot of the time we're interested in things and that's why we have hobbies outside of work. And at the weekend we meet our friends and we all have a bit of a grumble about work. You know, so it's it's very rare to actually find someone who says what I am doing in my in my job or my career is my calling and my passion. But there are ways that we can help people be happier and understand themselves a bit better so they can perhaps find something that fits them better to make things a little bit easier for them in the workplace as well. So I think it's important to recognize it's not an ideal world where everyone's going to change jobs and get their perfect job or calling. (laughs) 
Right. Yeah. So what sort of starts to happen if you are, you know, relatively unhappy, what sort of starts to happen in people when they like, what are the sort of psychological signs that maybe this isn't just something you should knuckle down and just get through to the next time or the next vacation, but this is Mm -hmm. a change that you need to make in your life for your own mental health. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, I think, again, it's important to recognize individual differences. People would react differently to to different situations, but typically I believe the key indicator is low job satisfaction. So there is that feeling of unhappiness at work, but perhaps you know, it's more common than happiness at work. So um, there's boredom, lack of fulfillment, feelings of emptiness. Um, Perhaps the work used to feel stimulating and now it's not, which could suggest that you might not need a whole career change, but you're ready for the next step or the the next uh, progression in your career. If you feel the job is becoming repetitive, perhaps if you have a lower level admin role and it just gets you, gets you thinking. Um, as well, generally stress, work-related stress would start to emerge and a decline in your well-being, feelings of burnout as well, um, not feeling appreciated anymore. And I think with burnout, that some people just associate burnout with long hours, but it is, it is more than that. Um, it, it can be emotional exhaustion, and that can even be from in, internally from in you intrinsically just worrying or feeling not very happy it doesn't have to be that you've fallen out with your boss or your colleagues it can be just something's not fitting right and that's I mean there's a theory uh, person job fit person organization fit and is what you're doing fitting with your values and your interests but like you, you said some people I suppose there's the phrase work to live they work see it very transactional and want to get to that next vacation or the weekend. Um, and it kind of funds what they want to do, which I think isn't, it's not great for well-being. Um, not that we want to uh, live to work as well, because that would obviously lead to, to more burnout. But I do think it is about getting, getting that balance. So I think it's mainly, yeah, job satisfaction, feelings, uh, sorry, low job satisfaction, feelings of unfulfillment, emptiness, um, the burnout and the stress can also link to, I suppose, from a psychological point of view, it can really affect your your life. You may go home and it, and it may creep into your personal life. You're having mood swings. You're snapping at your partner. You're not able to spend enough time with your loved ones as well. Um, there's also, you know, trying to deny it as well, trying to forget about it, turning to other things, unhealthy lifestyle Um addictions things to escape the feelings that you're not enjoying your job at work and um I mean all these things can obviously you know when we're unhappy they can have physical effects headache lack of sleep um and can get quite serious you can get run down our immune system can be affected so stress stress in the long term and long-term anxiety is obviously um can be very negative so and it's quite it's quite stressful sorry it's quite stressful denying something that you actually want to, right? Like if you want, if you deeply want to get out of your job and into a different line of work and you're like, no, 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 it's fine. I can just do it. Like that in itself can be stressful, right? Trying to deny yeah. like an urge. Absolutely. And that can link back to Freud and defense mechanisms and those kind of things. And can we, can we really be conscious of if we want to make a career move and 
I think there can be triggers, like I said, even reading reading an article online about it. But I think you can subconsciously be thinking about career change and not realize it. Um, some key things for making the transition is that introspection, um, self-assessment, self-awareness. But again, taking that first step can be quite difficult. But I think if anyone starts starting to question their their career route or their or their job, then and you know thinking about, oh, I wonder what would happen if I was doing what that person was doing, or if I branched out to to this. I see their task is is quite nice, and I'd like to try that. Or oh, I'd be really interested in studying some psychology, for example, and bringing that into into my job and seeing where it can where it can take me. I think those kind of thoughts coming will show that someone perhaps might be ready for a career transition. Um, I think if you are actively seeking information and starting to Google jobs online, different different qualifications, professional bodies, um, perhaps attending some industry events in a different a different discipline, then you kind of yeah starting to realize that you your interests are uh, are shifting. So some people may have a, a sudden epiphany overnight, but I think others can take a while to realize that. And again, people are different. Some people would prefer the more gradual baby steps. Some people may be, I'm ready for this and I'm, you know, wanting to make that change sooner. What's your best advice for someone to sort of create a plan to do this? Mm -hmm. Keeping in mind financial realities and, you know, family obligations and all the rest of it. Of course. Um, I think, and this is probably from my coaching background, taking the time to reflect, which we so often don't have the time to do. And that's why coaching can be so powerful, Um, not just through coaching conversations, but I think having dedicated time to speak to someone to think about what you want. Um, But if someone, you know, could take time to stop and think about their own skills, their own interests, their own goals, um, what are they good at? What are they not so good at? What motivates them? um, What fits with their short-term, long-term goals? what career paths are available to them. And that comes back to your point that we can't just always go off and do everything we want to do. We have to realize that there are family commitments, financial commitments, lack of qualifications, lack of experience as well. Um, So I think it's that preparation work to really prepare for the career transition and start to put a plan together, do some research, speak to people, and again, I think it can seem quite daunting, especially if you're not a risk-taking person. But there's, I mean, now there's so many different opportunities in terms of careers. It doesn't have to be a huge jump. There's career mobility in different ways now, whether you sidestep within the organization you're in just by opening up your networks within your own company. And someone could perhaps help you try out, try out something in a different department that you're interested in. Um I think those kind of steps are just as important as the more radical career changes. Um, but yeah, I think it's mainly about researching different jobs, career routes, the qualifications needed, the salaries, again, thinking about what's realistic, um, testing the water, getting some experience if you can, speaking to people in the industry. If it's a different industry, can you get internships, placements, apprenticeships, some work experience? perhaps volunteering as well um, can help to to figure out what it's really like because obviously we know some jobs can look 
desirable, but again, that fit might not be there when you're actually in it. Um, I always, in some of my lectures, sometimes mention about the military, for example, and the high attrition rates in those kind of jobs. Sometimes people like the sound of a military career, but then with the rigorous training, frequent deployment, being away from your family, um, obviously a lot of people drop out after the training. And there's other some other similar jobs um, as well. So you have to think about your expectations. And I think just by taking the time to do that research, you can gather gather the information to think about that that fit. Um, and then I think when you've when you've got that information, it's very much then about making yourself visible, updating your CV, your LinkedIn profile, those kind of things, and creating your career plan with goals, milestones, perhaps if there are some professional qualifications, thinking about the financial side, like we said, budgeting, if you need to invest in the next steps of your career. But doing all this planning can obviously enhance your self-awareness, which would then enhance your, your confidence with it as well. Because going through a career change, there can be knockbacks, there can be challenges. And I think depending on the extent of the career transition, you, you, you need to try and be as resilient as you can as well and patient with that. And everyone always thinks they're too old, but yeah. are you too old ever? I personally don't think so. I've, I've looked at, um, I, I lectured on and looked at research around age discrimination in the workplace. Um, and there are definite benefits of older workers um, with the, the expertise that they, they have gained. And I think younger people, age is a tricky one. And I think you do have to balance both. And I think companies should really realize how younger people and older people can complement each other. So when I started doing my PhD research, I was very interested in generational differences. And I started doing some interviews to ask companies, oh, what's the tensions between these different generations and thinking about the team working. And, and I was expecting all this, oh, the old guys can't use the tech. The young guys don't make sense with the tech. But that didn't come out. So I actually ended up shifting my research plans. And there wasn't, you know, the, the companies I spoke to, that was back in the UK, they, they said, no, we we got on with the other generations. There's no kind of war as such. Um, I mean, the worth, I think, when technology comes into it, but they felt they were patient with each other and they, you know, they could learn from each other. So I think when it comes to, to tech, there's definitely um, learning, learning aspects there. Um, but I think there was some research where younger people want to um, expand their kind of the skills that they're developing, they want to take on different tasks. Obviously, they've got promotion in mind more so than older people. Older people were happy just to kind of keep the tasks around, the skills they knew, I suppose, in a way. I don't like to say slowing down because I think there's a lot of older people who are still contributing so much and who are so motivated. But I think there was less of, obviously, that kind of competitive nature, like I need to get this training and this training, the skills. It's mm -hmm. kind of starting to really, I suppose, go more in-depth on the skills that they've learned and I think that's where it's key. I think things like knowledge management and succession planning are so overlooked in companies. Mm -hmm. And I used to work with an engineering company and they had older workers who had come, you know, in their teenage years were working on the factory floor. And then they'd gone up and were up to top management level and they had were about to retire and they had decades of knowledge and there was no system in place. So when these people left, the knowledge was gone. And part of the, the work that me and my 
colleagues were doing was to set up some knowledge capturing from these these yeah these crucial valuable people that were about to leave the company so I think that can often often get overlooked so yeah sorry age, I really amazing. enjoy talking about age at the workplace yeah I've always found while I'm older and I've stayed in journalism I've managed to stay in and I find with the younger people I work with it's just it's a nice compliment right because mm-hmm. um you know they sort of respect the older like your your experience that you they just don't have but they have so many skills that yes. you kind of like wow it's a lot to wrap your head around <laughs> we all I have to work yeah and I think again from doing some age research I, I, I went off the whole generational differences stuff and gen y gen x because I felt like they were putting too many boundaries around people and it was leading to generalization. So, um, but younger people, it has been found are obviously very, they have their eye on the prize, the promotion, they want that fast progression. You know, careers have changed in companies. Like I just mentioned that traditional engineering company, that's not that common these days. Um, you know, the psychological contract has changed. It's not a job interview where the organization is interviewing the individual. They're asking a lot of questions back and person organization fit is more important than ever. So I think the issue could be that young people are, are very ambitious. They know if a company isn't meeting their requirements, they can jump ship. They're more entrepreneurial. They could set up their own company. They can do more flexible working. So I think, yeah, the, the relationship between employees and employers have has changed a lot um and then you have that age thing where you just have younger people who don't know if they're going to be able to do it to make it in their field and so they have that driving them like am i going to be able to make it even if they have all these options and then you have older people who's like well i've made it you're like you know i i have that accomplished so there's just that the those two little things you hold in your hand where it's like well i did do it to whatever extent and the young people who are like am i gonna am i gonna be able to i gotta and so it's like these two emotional things that we interesting Joey yeah it's and again it's getting a balance and I think a lot of it is communicating and some of the the reason that I started my PhD initially like they looking into that area and it did it gradually shifted I ended up looking at young people entering the workplace and how they got socialized in their careers and work values um but one of the reasons that kind of caught my eye was because companies were coming to us and saying we don't understand the young people in our company and we need some help to to figure out how to keep them because they're going through the training and like I said, they're jumping ship. And, um, why do they not feel comfortable here? Or are we, are we upskilling them and then there's other places? What are we doing wrong? So it's, yeah, it's interesting. So a lot of this is about whether you change jobs, whether you stay in your job, you... I think you talk about fixed versus growth mindset, and this is a key to a lot of happiness at work and in life. But can you sort of speak to that, how to move from, explain what a fixed and a growth mindset are and how to move from one to the other and what that will give you? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And this is, this is something, again, I talk to my students about, it's very important in coaching as well, because part of coaching, workplace coaching, career coaching is very much about shifting that mindset from fixed to growth. So um, the concepts were developed by Carol Dweck, an American psychologist at the the University of Stanford. And a fixed mindset is where you almost don't feel that you can better yourself. You feel that your intelligence and your abilities are fixed traits and any extra effort you put in will not change that. And a sad part of that is that you then feel that failure reflects your own self-worth. That's just the way you are. 
and it can't be improved. Um, whereas a growth mindset is, a, it can lead to higher motivation, um, resilience, more willingness to take on challenges because you believe you can develop yourself. You believe that you can reach your your potential. You, If you put in the efforts and if you try hard, then you can change and improve. Um, you may have heard of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. That was, yeah, a motivational theory. I know a lot of people have, have heard about And at the top, there was that self-actualization. And in psychology, we cover that a lot. I know some people kind of thought that, you know, at the bottom, there's, what was it, you know, uh, safety, security. Mm-hmm. Some people had Wi-Fi in now and all that. And it's like, we need all these things. And yet, one day you get to the self-actualization. But it is, it is really important. And that's where coaching comes in, the growth mindset. Again, if we took the time in our lives to just think about what makes us happy and what doesn't, rather than running so fast through our jobs and through the weekend, then it's the start of the week again, we can think about how to almost bring ourselves up a level and, and, and start to think about what do I want to do and what makes me feel good and how can I reach my, my true potential self-actualization, as, as Maslow called it. Um, but in, I suppose, bringing that to kind of the real world and careers, it's very much about embracing learning opportunities, taking on career changes if you feel it's right. And again, I, I don't, because sometimes I think these are quite risky things and I recognize some people don't like that and that's fine. But I still think there's always reflection that can be done and smaller level changes that can be made to help people, again, just help their well-being in their day-to-day life feel a little bit better. Is there something that's niggling them at work or something, a relationship, perhaps the colleague that's, that's irritating them or a task that they've got that's irritating them? Could they? Is there something in their control that they could do to address that or to change it? Um, so coming back to the growth mindset thing uh, concept, it's really, uh, Carol Dweck says to try and include the word yet in your in your mindset and your thinking. So rather than saying, I can't do this or I can't do that, you say, I can't do this yet or I can't do that yet. And that's kind of adds on that developmental side as well. And, you know, if you setbacks or failures, if you see them as failures, as learning curves rather than experiencing a shortcoming. And I mean, there's a lot that's associated with this with kind of positive affirmations and trying to reduce your, your limiting kind of self-talk which I know is very common as well and we can be so harsh on ourselves and critique ourselves um but it's very much about thinking I'm capable of learning and improving in this area so a growth mindset mindset can be very powerful and of course when we're making changes we can only ever imagine what will go wrong we can't imagine what why that we're that's such a human nature thing right to just think about the negatives we can't imagine the positives Mm-hmm. it's so true um we do focus on the negative and coming back to almost that inner kind of critique that we have you know someone could say 10 positive things in a day but if there's one negative we often hold on to that criticism and that is human nature we naturally unfortunately um do hold on to those those things and things like that are what can you know, you might have heard of imposter syndrome where people don't feel they should be in their in their roles and that self-doubt can creep creep in. And that's very much where um, we have to realize that we can control that. Um, I was talking to a friend recently who started some coaching and I was super happy that she had. 
And the way she, the analogy she used was she was like, with these negative thoughts that I sometimes get, I see it like an app on my phone and I swipe up and I'm in control and I swipe up on that and I then focus on what I need to focus on. And I think that's quite, that's a, I love that, the swiping up, swiping up. Um, but it is, it's, I mean, these self-limiting beliefs that we have, again, affect people in very different ways and they can lead to stress, anxiety, depression, um, but that's where when people get the right support, I know I've talked about coaching, but obviously there is counseling and therapy that can help people who feel that these thoughts are really, really holding them back. Um, and, I, and I imagine a lot of people do with their careers. And I think that's, that's where it is sad because people are, um, what, what is the term languishing that has, has come out in psychology as well. And um, Professor Adam Grant from the US, a well-known occupational psychologist, um, has talked about languishing and it's, individuals who are not seen as a clinical population so they don't not really eligible for kind of counseling and therapy but they are not functioning to the best of their ability and it's you know again a bit like what we talked about with you feel like you're kind of plodding along in your job you're not really that happy but you're not going to really do anything about it um and that's where coaching can help just with some few activities self-reflection and again bringing people further up that kind of well-being um spectrum and I think also with the self-limiting beliefs and that inner talk and critic that we have I think talking about it with other people because sometimes when it comes to jobs and careers we have we have this ego and we we feel we have to put on a front sometimes and an image but actually when you have a conversation with someone who perhaps is more senior to you and you hear they sometimes have doubts it's so reassuring and I think sometimes just sharing these these thoughts and imposter syndrome is so normal I, I don't think I've met anyone who hasn't experienced it and it makes it feel a lot easier when you start to talk about it and and people who get nervous about presentations and, and things like that you know you see people on stage looking so confident but they were you know getting anxious before and it's it's all very normal this self-doubt it's just about reminding yourself of your strengths and and learning about how to do that with with my students actually another thing because we talk about cognitive behavioral psychology and how that links to coaching and very much how our behaviors our thoughts and our feelings are all interrelated and I often say to them when we talk about cognitive behavioral approach to coaching I want you to imagine a conveyor belt and just put your thoughts on here and then you can put the feelings on as well that are linked to that and you just start to break it down and think about how when you do something that you think oh, why did I do that it just helps you break everything down to understand why and if you react to someone in a way or someone does something and you react and just slow down and think about why you're reacting like that and just, yeah, swipe up on things. <laughs> swipe up in the conveyor belt for your negative. Yeah. I like that for your negative thoughts. Thank you so much, Dr. Lucy Bolton. It's really great to talk to you. And I hope anyone who's thinking about a change keeps thinking about it because it's worth it. I've made multiple changes and it's like, mm -hmm. it's hard. It's super hard, but it's always worth it to follow. Here. yeah yeah it is I think like I say with the effort the, the right effort and planning it can really pay off but also it can be on different levels it doesn't have to be a huge career jump like we said it can be small things there's um there's an area called job crafting as well you can do small little crafting bits about perhaps your network or your task or how you see your job various things that that you can do like we like we said smaller level um changes that some people might feel more comfortable with even just achieving that growth mindset in your current job can be seen as a, a beneficial transition 
Yeah. Then you can take on some new challenges within your job and see how it feels. It's great. Great idea. Take it step by step. That's the thing. And and again, I know I've I've talked a lot about coaching, but I do think it is super valuable. And I think from learning about it, I've been able to kind of self-coach myself and then Mm. students how to self-coach. And it's just about understanding yourself as well. So yeah. We're pretty complicated. Well, listen, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thank you. It's been great talking to you. Thank you for your time. That's it for this week. If you liked the podcast, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. We'll see you next time on the Live Healthy Podcast.